You're listening to Innovation Fuel, a business podcast by University Canada West. Bringing you fantastic stories for accomplished entrepreneurs and key industry professionals. Let's explore the entrepreneurial world through local businesses and our university community. Hello, Galari. Hi, Dave. How are you today? Well, I, it is weird because typically I'd be able, and for our listeners out there, I'd be able to see Galari, but I can't. <laughs> I don't know how she's going to respond to what I say. So I'm going to say stuff, and I hopefully she will. Uh... Galari, I, I think, you know, one of the things that we, we, we talk about a lot, and we've talked about this a lot in our journey, is, you know, customer validation, customer journey, mm. and trying to figure out, hey, how do you, if you create an idea, how do you get it? to the customer and how do you validate that that's the right idea, the product market fit. And I, I think, you know, sometimes we overthink these things um, and sometimes we try to do too much and we take so much time to go do it versus, Hey, humility is great. Humility is a learning element. And by us going out and maybe creating something and throwing it to the market and see what the market responds to based on some kind of information or some kind of hypothesis that we've come up with might be a starting point for us. Yeah, it is actually. And it's really important how much changes we need to do for our products and testing it, you know, create something, test it, create something and test it and sometimes pivot or something, even change a product by itself, you know, come with a new total product. The whole process is, it's time consuming, it's costly, and sometimes or not all the people willing to do it. Well, I think that's the biggest thing. I think that's the biggest thing in entrepreneurship is that the fear of execution, the fear of just throwing something mm-hmm. out there, no matter what, hey, so it's not perfect, who cares? <laughs> See how customers respond to it and then make the iterations as you go. Absolutely. And I think... And I think, Glory, I think that we might have someone today that might be able to answer this question for us or is going, has gone on this journey multiple times. Yes, we are going to have Avin Jones, CEO of Phenomenal Virtual eSport Arena. Let's welcome Avin. Welcome to another episode of Innovation Fuel brought to you by University Canada West. Yes, we are here with our friend Owen. We have so much to cover. VR might be in that that conversation. You know, we've heard this world of virtual reality, but we also hear some things around pivoting and changing and meeting the value of our customers' needs out there and finding that opportunities. But before we go there, my friend, we need to know a little bit about you. Tell us, give us a little bit of a story about you, you and your background. So uh, I would say my entrepreneurial journey started, uh, you know, whew, a long time ago. I, I, every time I tell this story, I'm like, oh my God, I feel older and older. But uh, yeah, so I would say I was at uh, Concordia University in Canada, in Montreal. When I graduated in political science, I love political science. It was amazing. I, you know, you get to learn about so many uh, geopolitical things that are happening in the world. Phenomenal. I loved it. And when I graduated, I realized that, oh my goodness, there's actually no jobs out there for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't actually like, you know, I didn't really like, at that period in time in my life, you know, I wanted to study something that I really enjoyed, that I really love. When I graduated, I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do now? Okay, well, I'm going to do something that, I, that comes naturally to me, and that was sales. And so I, uh, I, started, uh, I started working at uh, a place called CDI College, which was basically selling, uh, selling education, right? And during that time, I was, you know, big into music. I was producing music. I was DJing in after hours and clubs and stuff like that. And, and I really liked this, this, this music thing. And, and coincidentally, my sister, she was in New York City and she was, uh, she, was, she was starting to become a recording artist as well. And I was like, oh, I'm like, well, I was like, okay, well, let's, let's you know, let's start working together. And so, uh, you know, 
I slowly started working with my sister and we started recording songs together and it started, you know, started doing better and better and better and better and better. And uh, by the way, I'm going to give you guys advice on what not to do and what to do. And then as things started becoming bigger and bigger at my job that I was working at, I was, you know, hitting all my sales numbers. And then all of that extra time I put into the label. And over time, you know, we started selling thousands and thousands of records. We started touring and stuff like that. And then I eventually got a deal with Universal Music and we started making it bigger and bigger and bigger and so on. At one point, I was able to leave that job and do this full time. And that's when I really started like my entrepreneurial journey. Now, we had talked about this a little bit before. So some of you are probably a lot younger on, on that might be listening to this, but uh, there was a period in time that you had to go into a store to buy a CD. Yes, I know it's crazy, but you have to buy, you have to go, I know you have to go into the store and you have to go and buy a physical product, a CD to listen to it. And uh, around that time, uh, around that time, as I was producing the, my last album, Napster and LimeWire and all that were really starting to, they started getting a lot of momentum, a lot of momentum. And uh, the labels were kind of freaking out. They're putting quite a bit of pressure on me saying, Alan, what are you going to do? What are you going to come up with? What are you going to do in marketing to, to help sell the record? This is kind of like a foreshadowing of all these things that are happening now on the internet with disruption after disruption after disruption after disruption. But the first real disruption on the internet is music, guys. It was music. And I was right there in the heart of it. And let me tell you, when disruption happens, you can bring down, you know, multi, multi-billion dollar companies like that in a much shorter time than you could, than you could even fathom. I had a friend who came back from Japan and she's like, hey, Alan, I saw this really cool technology out there called augmented reality. And I was like, oh, what is that? And I started looking into it. When I saw it, my mouth kind of fell to the ground. I thought it was a magic trick, right? But at that time, it was only for webcam. You kind of have a marker. You'd point it, you'd, you'd go like this in front of a webcam and an experience will pop out. And I said to myself, because I had an iPhone, iPhone 3, and I, I knew the iPhone 4 was about to come out with the dual chip. And I said to myself, I'm like, hey, I think we can create a, a, an app that could come along with the CD. And when you scan the CD, there would be an experience that would pop out. So so even if you, yeah, so even if you are a fan, even if you are a fan of, of the music and everything, if you really, if you really truly want the full experience, you go buy the CD just for that, just for that. And so I created the world's first uh, AR app for, for an artist. We launched it along with the CD uh, right when the iPhone 4 came out. So we also got a little bit of boost and we, you know, sold thousands more records. You know, we were in the top, uh, top 10 in the app store downloads. It was, so it was really a phenomenon. And, uh, and then I, you know, a couple of weeks later, I sat down with the, the folks over at Universal and they're like, oh, wow, Alan, this is amazing. We love it. Uh, you know, what, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? To, and I'm like, no, guys, I'm like, I don't think you understand. You know what I mean? This whole, it's only going to get worse for us. It's only going to get worse for you. You know what I mean? If, if the bulk of your money, you're making it all from, from distribution and physical sales of CDs, you need to change your business model. And they did not want to hear it. They did not want to hear it. And so that's where I was like, okay, well, I think that all of you are going to lose your jobs. And I think that this whole thing is going to go from bad to worse, to worse, to worse, to worse. And I think none of you guys are prepared for this tsunami of technology that's about to happen over the next little while. And, um, you know what I mean? And, and, and without arrogance, this, this, you know, you never want to, you never want to say these things. You don't want people to lose their jobs and stuff like that. But at the same time, on the other end, they're so used to making billions of dollars on, on, on basically just printing plastic that they didn't, they didn't want to hear it. Right. And so I said, okay, you know what? I think I'm, I think I'm going to leave the music industry. I think there's a real future in, in, in this new thing called uh, augmented reality. So, you know, augmented reality, mixed reality, virtual reality, all that stuff. So I started an agency, like I said, not because I was the best or anything, just because, well, I was the only one who was doing it, right? 
And so these brands, they were really interested in, in technology. And so these, all these big brands were, were willing to give me, you know, that a little bit of money to create something cool for them for their marketing initiatives. And so we started doing that. And then with there, I started employing more people. And then all of a sudden, you know, we were 25 people, 30 people. And then we started working with huge brands from, you know, from uh, JP Morgan to Twitter to Universal Pictures. And we had started doing a lot of virtual reality uh, from 2013 onwards until the fact of we started working with you know Universal Pictures and the last one we, we worked with was with Tom Cruise where I'm not sure if you guys saw the Mummy not the best movie just letting you guys know ahead of time uh, but there's a scene and there's a scene in um, in Zero Zero Gravity and so my brother who's a creative director had to fly on the plane with with Tom Cruise and you know do all those do, do all those scenes in virtual reality and that was that was a real trip and. And then after that, we released it at South by Southwest with IMAX Universal Pictures, and it was amazing. But then after that, when we started asking people what they thought of the experience, they all loved it. And then when we asked them, would you do it again? They said, no. And I said, well, why? And they said, well, it's because it's like a movie. And if you look at movies, you see them maybe once, maybe twice, maybe three times, right? But you're not going to see it over and over and over again. And I said to myself, okay, well, I think I'm done making other people's stuff you know what i mean because as much as i'm doing a work for universal pictures or twitter or whatever it's not my work it's their work they've paying me a service for it right and to myself okay well i think i'm done doing that and i really like to create a product where people can play over and over and over again with replayability and competition that's built in and so i sold my company and i had learned the hard lessons of what it's like to build a product without testing it with the market first. Because no matter what you're going to build, I don't care who you are, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, put name here, I don't care who it is, you're going to fail, you're going to have problems, and it's not going to be exactly what the market wants. The little bit of knowledge that I that I acquired over these years with my first startups, I said, okay, we're going to create a series of prototypes. And the people that I want to sell it to is a location-based. Those are arcades, family entertainment centers, amusement parks, etc. Let's get a little place where we can test out these games and see what people like. So I was lucky enough, I made a deal with a real estate partner and we got some free rent and we started testing out the games. And I kept asking people, I'm like, what did you think of this? What do you think of this? Would you play it again? It was always no, 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 no. Until one day we created, created something new and really original uh, where all people could play together inside of a space. And people kept coming back over and over and over and over and over again. And I was like, fucking got it. I got it right there. Hmm. You know what I mean? That's the first, that's the first sign. That's really the first sign of when you, you know, you have something and, and, and that's what we call, you know, good signs of product market fit, not product market fit yet signs of product market fit. Okay. Don't get those two things confused. And so with that, we started packaging the prototype, started selling it because that's the next thing is like, you may have a great product, but or you may have good signs of a great product, but if you can't sell it, you don't have a great product, actually. You're missing. There's, there's, there's something wrong, you know. So you want to get there. You want to sell it as soon as possible. So we started selling it. Of course, you know the thing was buggy as hell. You know what I mean? I was having problems, this, that, and everything. But we learned. We kept iterating. We kept changing. We kept, we kept making it better until the clients started becoming happier and happier with the product. And that's how we kind of built out phenomena. I love what you're saying because again, you know, we come back to that element that we we talk about this all the time is that value creation. How do you create value? In a market, you need to go to the source of where you're trying to solve the problem. 
And yet you might give one iteration, like you said, and you might be like, aha moment. Yes, we've got something to start with, but it's not the final thing because we've got to continue to ad- address it and change it to adapt it to meet the, the future needs of a bigger market, a bigger segment and you know, work out the bugs, like you said. But I, I love it. But but also you ran into a challenge, I, I think you ran into a challenge. All of a sudden you were dealing with something that you had and then COVID hit and then you have to do something yes, different. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, well, oh man, COVID, I don't even know what to say, man. Like, oh my God. I remember today, guys. I remember today, March 18th. I remember when the politicians got on the news and I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? You know, what we did during the COVID era and, you know, I, and I'm going to say this because we're on an Acadian podcast. I do believe we are in the greatest country in the world, my friends. And I, and I believe that, uh, that uh, what uh, Trudeau, you can like Trudeau, not like Trudeau, I'm not getting political, but what Trudeau did during the pandemic, just in terms of keeping people working, I believe that we're going to see the ramifications of all of those innovations over the next coming years because of what just happened. I truly believe that because with us, we used all of that time to say, okay, this is working for us. Now let's go deeper. We guys, we we get the time, we get a chance of pressing pause and working on innovation the entire time, so that when the world comes back online, so to speak, we're ready. We got it. We got it all. We can hand it over to you, and we know that you're going to be happy with the product because you were buying it when it was when it's full of bugs. So uh, you know, so uh, so that that for me, the pandemic was. At the exact same time, the darkest period of my life, you know what I mean? And just in terms of as an entrepreneur, in the greatest period of my time, at the literally at the exact same time, exact same time. I hope that all of you took that time as well just to, to improve, man, to get better in some way, shape or form, whether it's uh, skill-wise, whether it's product-wise, whether it's whatever-wise, you know? I want to a little bit talking about your product and how you're operating now. So what exactly is your product and how you're operating location-based entertainment centers, right? So when, I'm, when I say that, I just mean family entertainment centers, amusement parks, theme parks. They were having a lot of, not problems, I would say, but I would say like frustrations with bringing in that new generation of, of kids into their centers. Think about this for one second. If any of you guys have kids or, you know, if some of the audience has little brothers, little sisters or whatever, think about this for a second. It's not the same thing as when we were kids. When we were kids, you know what I mean? There was not video games that ca- that they were built for 200, with $200 million budgets that you could buy 40 bucks or actually even Fortnite that's free. You know, this stuff didn't exist. You know, there was not Netflix that you could get at 10, 15 bucks. You know, this stuff didn't exist. So now to get a kid or to get a, the, the younger generations off the couch or, or out of the house... You need to have something that's 10x better than them, right? 10x better than what you can get at your house. So whatever you're building for your clientele, which for my clientele, which was location-based, it had to be 10x better than what get, they can get at their house. What can't you do at your house? Well, you can't run around your, your house right now in virtual reality with a bunch of friends and, and, and have an experience. You can't have that. So we built out that experience for location-based entertainments where a group of people can put on VR headsets and compete within a set space. And that's why we call it the VR esports arena. And so that's the value creation that we did for our customers. And up to now, you know, people people really love it. So we're very happy about that and fortunate. You've gone further during this innovation period because you started off with what I understand was you had one offering. This whole period of COVID, you then went and built on that element. So, okay. So the, the first version was just a, basically it was just a game 
that you that we that we built it was kind of really just put together by kind of like uh hacking all of these headsets put together and it was kind of complex to put it all together and we said to ourselves well what happens if we want more games in the future if other people want more games and we start scaling this thing it's like it's not gonna work it's just gonna break so we said okay we have this time now let's go and build a platform where all of the other content can live on top of it right and so we built out the platform we knew we already had one hit game and so we started building other games as well on top of it. And now the platform is, is open up to other developers as well who wants to put their free roam virtuality games on our platform. And so that was kind of the steps of, of how we did it. So it's again, it goes back to what I said before, early little signs of product market fit that people are willing to pay for this and they're willing to use it. You know, you 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 get your product, put it in mixed panel, look at the data. The data will the data will confirm your 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 observations, and um, and they're they're going to point you in the right direction. Where does it go next for you? So moving from the arcade system into what's okay. next? So I'm going to tell you guys a little bit of the problems that I used to do in the past, and a little bit of what we're doing now, and I hope that this will be a little bit of a gem for you guys. When an agency. All it was was build something cool and new, build something cool and new, build something cool and new, build something cool and new. And I feel that a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, like that's that's the way they feel. They're gonna f- they have to build something new and it's cool, it sells, and then after that they go right back into that cycle again. But it should be you have an innovation, it's 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 working. Your customers are, are buying it. Instead of coming out with something new, a new innovation, you should be making your product better for an extended period of time. Make it better, 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 until there's nothing left to improve anymore. Then you create something new and innovation. That was, I guess, the biggest difference between what we did, what I did in the past and what I'm doing now. Now it's just about improving the product that's as is and not spending time, resources, everything and say, okay, well, how can we do an entire new innovation? You know what I mean? You don't need to do that. Innovate first, then after that, improve the product for a long period of time. You would be surprised how many things you've overlooked that may annoy your customers. So fix those things. You'll have better retention. When you have better retention, you have better cash flow. When you have better cash flow, you have a better looking company. It'll be easier for you to raise capital, be easier for you uh, to to develop things in the future because there's going to be money in the bank for you and your company. Um, Your employees are going to be happy as well because you're going to be giving them bonuses a lot easier because the money's going to be rolling in. It's just, it's just a good, it's a good thing to do that. That's, that's what I'm trying to tell you guys. Our customers and many more customers that are in, in a similar space, what they want more than anything else is reliability. Like think about the first iPhones that you had or the first Android phones that you had. They sucked. They didn't work properly. You know what I mean? And what was the thing that annoyed you more? It wasn't about getting new apps or new this and new that. It's like, no, make this shit work properly. That's what you wanted, right? And so every single iterations of the phones and every single uh, every single new new updates to the OSs, the product started working better. That's what I mean when I said the first initial innovation, and then the product just works better and better and better. And as the product that works better and better and better, frustration of the user decreases, retention increases, and then after that, there's room for new things to come in. That is very important point of that one. But what about the cost of changing? And coming with a new product. I'm talking about what is the pressure of your new company or startups or small businesses such as you for keep having a new product. I, like I said, it's just a little bit of what I built on before, but if you've built, if you've built a great product that's innovative and you keep on improving it and you have strong retention, Galera, you're going to have more money. Your company is going to be financially a lot better. And when your company is a lot financially better, you have more breathing room. When you have more breathing room, like, okay, I'll give you an example. Let's say you have a startup, right? You've just gotten your pre-seed, your seed, right? And your, your, your stuff is working really well. 
and the money's coming in and you have you have strong retention in terms of your your product and people are not churning that means you can forecast how much money is coming in over the year you can look at how much money is coming into the company forecast over the year and you can say okay these new features are going to cost four months or five months or six months of dev time or whatever and you can calculate that and you can predict the next things that you're going to build without putting your company at risk in terms of operations you know what i mean so sorry, guys. I I know I'm an entrepreneur, but I, and you're supposed to you're supposed to go towards risk, but that's not true. Actually, the initial risk is at the beginning, but then after that, once something once something's work, you should be trying to decrease your risk at all times. Decrease, decrease, decrease that risk. And I love what you're saying because it's a it's a different story that you're used to hearing out there. I think by continuously investing in your product or your service and continue to make it better and better and better, yes, you're right, you're going to make more money. And eventually, you can put that little money off here and you can eventually add more to these things and, 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 and expand. Now, going down the world of technology, let's, let's spin the conversation to the world of technology, VR. And where's the future of VR going? The agency was, re- we were really bullish on augmented reality and we felt that this was, this was the next window of the world of the, of the internet you know what i mean instead of you you with your phone here looking at it this way well you know you mean you're just gonna have glasses and you're gonna see the world around you and that's all going to be augmented uh but but here's the thing guys here's the thing and here's the way technology works there's often leaps and bounds in technology that brings you up to a certain point but then after that the technology gets almost like locked in a sense of like for the next things to come out, there has to be a lot more technological breakthroughs. And the ones that I saw in 2016 of what AR, AR needed to go through was too far away. And I was like, no, this is impossible. You need to have all these developments of, of spatial environments and optics and everything. And I was like, I'm like, that's going to take 10 years. I'm like, I don't care what anybody tells me, that's going to take 10 years. But this VR thing, VR thing is now, right? It's now I can make, I can build a product right this second. And it's still very early days. And so that's the reason why we decided to really just focus on one single technology, which was virtual reality. And then when we looked at the virtual reality landscape, we said to ourselves, okay, well, we, again, this goes back to, you know, what is the market? Who are the customers? What kind of product do you want to build? And for us, we really liked location based because we felt that that's where the money was first, not at home. And so that's why we focused really on location based and the problems that they were having, family entertainment centers, theme parks, which I just talked about before. And uh, yeah, we focused on that and uh, we were lucky. It worked. Where is next? You've come with AR, you've come with VR, you're ahead of the game, you're jumping into all these different areas. Is there something else that we should be thinking about in the future here? Of course. Like, look, we call it the VR eSport arena, right? So that's what we, that's what we call our product. And there's a reason why I call it the VR eSports arena, especially the sport part. If you look at any sport, it has four main components. It doesn't matter if it's hockey, soccer, Whatever, insert sport here, they all follow the same thing. So let's take basketball as, a, as an example. If you want to be a basketball player, right, you need to first have a, you need to be able to go to a basketball court, right, and practice and play with your friends, right? So that's a, so that's the, lo- imagine that's the location-based entertainment portion. Then after that, you want to practice at your house, right? So whether you have, let's say, a basketball net, you practice by yourself, maybe you'll practice with one other friend. That's the at-home version, right? Then after that, you need to be able to, um, create leagues out of it. So you need to professionalize the sport, right? Which is what we're doing now. And then after the last one is broadcasting. You want the Joe Rogan of UFC commentating on your stuff and, and that's a streaming portion. So these are all of the, 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 the building blocks that we're 
building over the next coming months or the next coming year where you are going to be able to play that VR esports arena at on location. You'll have a different version at home. There's you'll be able to edit the, the product is going to be streamed on Twitch. And we're going to be creating these new uh, leagues. Um, they're going to be starting uh, next year. Well, the next, uh, we're, we're actually in Montreal, February in Montreal, December 3rd. I welcome all of you guys to come. Uh, we're going to be having a VR eSport Arena uh, tournament. We're going to crown a champion sponsored by TELUS, National Bank of Canada, Panasonic, uh, HTC. So if you guys want to come, it's free and Zoom Montreal. So I welcome all of you guys. That's it as a home. That's That's what we're trying to do. Dave, we're turning it into a sport, you know? So instead of just looking at it as a technology, you know, you're looking at it, instead of looking at it as VR, you know, look a little deeper, look a little deeper. What can we do with VR? It's like, a, it's like, do you know the Roland 808? What did it take? It took a new order to come up with uh, that song. And then you'd realize that, yo, oh my God, we can make, uh, we can make this kind of this, this new music kind of called uh, electronic music. And then the 909, the 909 came out. And then what did we do? We started making raves with that music. You know what I mean? Sometimes the technology is, is just the instrument for what can come after. As you've said, my friend, the value creation, find the value in those elements, find the technology. I love our conversation today. It's absolutely been brilliant. But before we wrap up today, we always ask our guests to throw out a challenge. Now, the challenge could be a macro challenge that we should be thinking all about, or is an individual within your organization challenge that we can get our students engaged in? Okay. All right. I'll, ch- I'll challenge. I'll, I'll throw a little challenge. I'll throw a little challenge. By the way, guys, I'm not saying anything new. This is not my wisdom. This is like straight up copied and plagiarized from from all the talks I see from YC and from and from all, all these other great uh, entrepreneurs much better than I am. So build a product in less than three weeks. Build a product in less than three weeks. If it takes you more than three weeks, if you're not ashamed of what you're publicly posting and you can't get customers, uh, uh, you can't get one customer out of it, you're doing something wrong. So if you're an entrepreneur and you're, you're, you, what you've built took longer than three weeks, you're doing it wrong. You want you to take something, build it in three weeks, release it, Try to get one customer to pay for it. Doesn't matter the price, pay for it. And then after that, iterate, 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 and you're, you'll be on your way to building your first product. It doesn't matter if this product is not the product that you you vision down the line or or just start with something, but start with that exercise. Build something, throw it out there, see if the world likes it. Is it solving a problem? Uh, how deep is that? Is that pain that you're solving? And you can do this in three weeks. Figure it out because that's that's the path to entrepreneurship. There is There's no... There's no magic formula. There's none. It's build something, get it out there as soon as possible. Do you want this? Do you want that? Do you want that? No, don't. You don't want it. Okay. You don't want it. Why don't you want it? Oh, because of this, this, this. Okay. Well, you've just now gotten the answer of what you need to change in your product for that person to buy it. Okay. Go change it. Okay. Now, do you want this now? Okay. Yeah, you do. How much you want to pay? 20 bucks. Uh, I'll pay $15. Okay. Perfect. All right. Well, now you can sell your product for $15. Okay. How many of those do I need to sell in order to, to, to build a profitable company? Okay. And to sell a thousand of those, I could pay for my salary and, and let's say one other dev. Okay, perfect. Now, how do I scale that? You know, is my total adjustable market big enough? Uh, how do, how, what's my going to be, what's my going to be my go to market strategy? But it, it all starts from that, that little project. I just told you guys to build it in three weeks, build it in three weeks, release it out to the world. See if you can sell it. And if you can, you're onto something. And these are all the building blocks for when you want to build the next Tesla. It's the same. It's the same. It's the same. Perfect. Thank you very much, Alban. It was great. Thanks, guys. That was another episode of Innovation Fuel. Thank 
you for listening to Innovation Fuel. We are on all podcast streaming platforms, Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Visit our website at www.youcanwest.ca slash innovationfuel. Also, follow us on Instagram at innovation underscore fuel.